faithfulness. What I want to look at today is this idea of what does it mean to be faithful? And because I'm into Greek, I have to have my Greek definitions. Um, but I want to look at some scripture to get some idea of what it looks like in practice. But this, notice Isaac was talking about trust. And that's one of the core components of this. Someone who is trustworthy. Or, um, as we're going to look at, that sort of idea of complete trust and reliance. So you've got it from both sides. If someone is trustworthy, then they're worthy of trust. Alright? So, and, but also that response as well. One of the things that we find these in, in our world today is we like to substitute the word belief. I believe that one plus one is two. So? So when I go to the bank and they give me $200, but I should get $400, do I get upset? Yes, because it has an impact on it. Two, I get two marshmallows. I know what one plus one is. I get two. And so it impacts on the way we live. Think about in the olden days. They used to think the world was flat. What impact did that have on them? Well, the idea was if you kept sailing, you would drop off the end. So guess what they didn't do? They didn't keep sailing. Now, there was one or two rebels and they went and discovered America. But the idea was that what they understood had an impact on the way they believed. Uh, what they believed had an impact on the way they lived. So it's not just about, you know, um, insert your favourite quiz show here. I just happen to remember the facts. So, looking at this, the first thing really I want to consider is the idea of it's God who sets the standard. God is the one who is faithful. And in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9 to 11, God says this, Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. And he repays those who hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack with them who hates him. He will repay him to his face. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments, the statutes and the judgments which I command you today to observe them. So, what God is saying here is, he's saying, I want you to keep my commandments and I will be faithful to this. I will bless you if you do, but punish you if you don't. Trust me on this. I am faithful. And so the idea of that then is this implied question. Well, where do you want to be? You can be in the faithful ones or the unfaithful ones. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 to 13, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not changed. Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is a faithful saying. If we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, 
he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. And notice that idea of he cannot deny himself. Faithfulness is inherent in God. And even if we're not faithful, he is. And talking about, Paul's taking comfort in this and saying, look, I suffer all these things because I know that God is faithful, that God will keep his promises. And the fact that it's not possible for God not to do that. And in Hebrews 10, chapter 19 to 25, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the household God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Notice the consequence in this passage. Let us hold fast the consequence of our hope without wavering. Why? Because he who promised is faithful. So God's faithfulness therefore should lead us to have that confidence, that lack of wavering, because we should recognise that God is faithful. And he said, therefore, have boldness, you know, fearless confidence and draw near and then hold fast because God is faithful. So that's God and he's that sort of model that we are um, using as the, the basis for why we can trust in God. But what does it look like for us? What does it mean for us to be faithful? So I want to have a look at a number of examples, um, starting off in um, the book of Hosea. And sometimes it's really interesting to read some of these minor prophets um, because you get a picture of what life was like in Israel. And and, And it starts off really well. I mean, who would like to be Hosea? The first thing God tells him to do is go and marry a prostitute. And then he has children. And guess what the children are called? Jezreel. I will avenge the blood of Jezreel. Lo Rama, no mercy. Lo Amin, not my people. A visual aid to the people of Israel. And this is particularly the northern kingdom, though he does address Judah. Um, and he tends to use the word Ephraim to represent that northern kingdom because that was the biggest group of the people tends to use that a bit um, interchangeably. But the idea of God viewed his relationship with Israel as like the marriage covenant, a marriage relationship. That's what the covenant was about, that relationship with the people. But he's describing what the state of the people at that time and that they'd gone into this adultery or spiritual adultery. One of the things that if you, when you read through the Kings uh, and some of the other books in there, you'll find that the worship of Balaam was um, 
fairly prominent. And remember, when they went into the land of Canaan, they were supposed to get rid of the occupants because they didn't want that influence to come across. Um, but it, they didn't, and so it tended to be um, coming into uh, the Israel. And if you can see Ahab and Jezreel, etc. All right, that's the 10-second overview of um, Hosea. So I just want to read a couple of passages from it, and you'll get the idea of what was going on. For she did not know that I gave her grain, new wine and oil, and multiplied her silver and gold, which they prepared for Baal. So this is God talking about Israel. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because you have rejected knowledge. I also will reject you from being a priest for me, because you have forgotten the law of our God. Oh, sorry, your God. I also will forget your children. The more they increase, the more they sinned against me. I will change their glory into shame. So God's describing this situation. He blessed Israel. They'd had crops coming out of their ears. They had gold and silver. And what were they doing? They were saying, well, the people around us, they say that Baal's all to do with this because they do all the crops and all that sort of stuff. So we just go and sacrifice that to Baal. Because that's what the people do rather than what God's saying for them to do. And he said, the more I gave you, the more you sinned. Again, picking up in chapter 6. O Ephraim, what shall I do to you? O Judah, what shall I do to you? For your faithfulness is like a morning cloud. Like the early dew, it goes away. Therefore I have hewn them by the prophets. I have slain them by the words of my mouth. And your judgments are like light that goes forth. For I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. But like men, they have transgressed the covenant. They have dealt treacherously with me. Gilead is a city of evildoers and defiled with blood. As a band of robbers lie in wait for man, so the company of priests murder them on the way to Shechem. They surely commit lewdness. I have seen a horrible thing in the house of Israel, There is harlotry of Ephraim. Israel is defiled. And you know what the interesting thing is? Apart from the fact that Jesus quotes this passage, they're still into the sacrifices. They're turning up religiously. They're doing the sacrifices. They're doing the burnt offerings. But that's not the problem that uh, that God has. It's not that they're doing that. It's what else they're doing as well. When you describe the people of God who are supposed to be in that covenant relationship with him and what are they doing? They're defiled with blood. A band of robbers lie in wait for a man. The company of priests murder on the way to Shechem. Here are the people. These were the priests. These were the people who were supposed to tell them about the word of God. Tell them what the covenant was about. And they're involved in the same stuff. Right? So it's more that, and it's, it's such a vivid picture. Have you ever watched when you wake up in the morning and it's really overcast? And by about 10 o'clock it all just fades away. And that's what he's describing these people's faithfulness as. It lasts as long as the morning. We go in there, we do the sacrifices, and then we walk off and we do something else. And it's like, God, world, 
and I flip between the two. Oh, look, it's Baal time. Oh, look, it's God time. Oh, I want that. I'll go and steal it. Oh, he's given me a hard time. I'll go and kill him. And then they wonder why God's not happy with them. It's like you can't pick out the bit of the covenant that you like and then sort of say, oh, well, you know, that's for that day. And then, oh, on the other day, I'll just do what I feel like. And this, by the way, Hosea is leading up to Assyria. And for Bible history, Assyria is where Israel gets carted off into punishment, into captivity because of their behaviour. So this is quite a strong example of where um, what faithfulness isn't. So, and again, for us, the same sort of thing. Faithfulness is more than just turning up on Sunday morning. It's a covenant, it's a relationship with God, not just a few activities that we do. Um, And it's interesting because, uh, and again, I won't go into this in great detail, because Jesus says this, you can't serve two masters. You can't have one foot with God and one foot in the world because you're going to love one and upset the other one. Right? doesn't work. And Romans 6 puts it even more strongly, the idea of that whoever you present yourself to, you become that slave. If you present yourself to righteousness, you become a slave to righteousness. If you present yourself to um, sin, you become a slave of sin. Right? And, it's, and again, the context of this is, you know, shall we sin more that God, uh, grace may abound? Certainly not, etc. Um, the idea of you've been freed from one to become the other. So, don't go back to the first one. So, faithfulness, it's about everything. Right? You can't have one foot with God and one foot with everything else. Otherwise, you end up the same way Israel did. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 27, says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, and this is the song, I almost, almost thought about getting Isaac to sing this one. Everyone who hears the words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain came down and the streams rose and the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it's foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose and the wind blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. And notice the distinction. Those who put into practice Jesus' words. Those who didn't put into practice Jesus' words. One stands, one falls. And you can guess which one's which by the wise and the foolish. Uh 
But the idea of it's living Jesus' words. In Jesus, uh, Jesus himself says in uh, John chapter 6, 38 to 40, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those who he has given me, but raise them up in the last day. For my Father's will, that is everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him, shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. And there's a number of times that Jesus actually says this, and this idea of why did Jesus come? Jesus came to do the Father's will. And what came out of that? And for us, we get the benefit of that. And in Hebrews, it describes him this way. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honour than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honour than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all of God's house, bearing witness to what should be spoken by God in the future. But Jesus Christ is faithful as the Son of God's house, uh, sorry, as the Son over God's house, and we are his house, if indeed we are firmed in your confidence and the hope uh, in which we glory. So as the Holy Spirit says, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are going astray. They have not known my ways. So I have declared my oath in my anger. They shall never enter my rest. I didn't key this up with Isaac this morning. Um, But again, here they are in the wilderness. Jesus, faithful. Moses, faithful. The people, going astray. But Jesus is the one who's described as being faithful. In fact, greater than um, Moses. And he was about doing the will of God on the earth. And the warning, hear and obey, don't harden your heart. In 1 John chapter 1, 5 to 10, And I put this in because, for two reasons, which I'll get to. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out of the truth. For if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim that we have not sinned, we will make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Now, reading some of this stuff, you can get the idea almost that you've got to be perfect. Think about Moses. Moses was a faithful servant in the house of God. 
Did he do everything right? No. And we have the same thing there that's to deal with that stuff. We have an advocate for sin. It's not about being perfect, right? But it's about walking in the light and we will get cleansed. It's about the way you walk, the way you live, your attitudes and your focus, right? It tells us to focus on Jesus, all right? So it's not about just being perfect. But by the same token, and this is the way it's referred to a number of times. Now, by this we know that we know him. And you know, we talked about before the idea of my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Knowledge is not just about that academic thing, but look what he says knowledge is here. If we, um, we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. You get the idea? Right? It's more than just, I believe God exists. It's that relationship. I walk the same way Jesus walked. Jesus was there called the faithful servant. He was faithful to God the Father. So if we do the same thing, we too will be faithful to God the Father. And that idea of it's more than just knowledge, it's that relationship. We are called into a relationship with God. And again, I'm going to use the word covenant. It's the agreement that we signed up to when we baptised to walk in that life. And Jesus deals with the sin. All we have to do is to acknowledge it, to confess it and keep his commandments. Just for the last couple of minutes, I'm just going to do very quickly, just want to go through a couple of things from Revelations. There's a key word in Revelation I want to focus on and I promise I won't do too much Greek overcome, to carry off victorious, to come off victorious. Why? Because when you look through, and I'm only going to go through Revelation 2, you can read Revelation 3 yourself. These are descriptions of the churches by Jesus. So I want to look at, what does he say about them when he considers good, positive, faithful? What does he say about them that's not faithful? Because one of the things that comes up a lot, you'll see as we look at the next verse, to the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labour, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil. You have tested those who are apostles and are not, and have found them liars, and have persevered and have patience and have laboured in my name's sake and have not become weary, puts us to shame sometimes. But, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you have 
um, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. But he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. All of these things these church had, amazing works, all sorts of stuff. The idea of um, labour and not become weary, they just kept going. And remember the the environment in which we're talking, it wasn't exactly um, friendly to Christians. And they had it all except one thing. And my point of this is, Don't lose the reason why you're doing this. Don't forget why we're doing this. It's not a matter of, I just do come together, I do good works, I serve people, I do this, I do that. Why do we do that? Because God first loved us. And this is our response back to God. Remember 1 Corinthians 13. Without love, we just make a noise. I'll do um, one more and then uh, I'll summary. And to the angel of the church in Samaria write, these things say the first and the last who was dead and came to life. I know your works, your tribulation, your poverty, and I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear of those things you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you have tribulation ten days. But faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. Let him who has an ear, um, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. And again that idea of overcome. And this time, it's enduring suffering. They're about to go through severe persecution. He's warning them of it. And again, the call to stick with it. Remain faithful. Hang in there. God's faithful. He'll keep you going through it. And if you overcome, you get what? The crown of life. So you've got the God that is trustworthy. We just need to hang on to that. We need to and then become Faithful, trust God. And notice, we started at the beginning. The core of that faithful word, is one of them, is trusting. We've got to trust our God. Okay, I'm not going to do the the last couple because we're getting a bit long on over time. But again, notice a number of times that Revelation uses that word, overcome. He who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. He who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. He who overcomes and keeps my words until the end, I will give him power of the nations. Stick with it. Faithfulness is going the distance as well. So summary, the sort of things we've looked at, being faithful to God. First of all, recognising that God is trustworthy. God will keep his promises. But living your faith and living it for the right reason, not just to do works. Right? Staying the course no matter what the world throws at you. And remember, you can't have a 50-50, my dad was a gambler, a 50-50 bet each way. You can't do that, well, I'll put 50% here and 50% there and I'll just and I hope that one of them pays off. Right? For those who aren't gamblers, I believe that's how it works. All right. But perseverance 
and take heart from some of the people in Revelation. Labour and not grow weary. Keep going. Keep pushing ahead because God loves us and we're responding out of love for him and rejecting that evil. Okay, And Jesus is our model. Look what Jesus endured while he was on this earth. Persecution, the cross, execution, you know, the worst possible execution available to mankind. Jesus did it. Right? And yet he's described as a faithful son because he went through that so that we could have life. God is always faithful and he's not dependent upon our faithfulness so we need to be faithful in response.